Welcome. You're about to hear an inspirational message by David Entry. May your faith increase and your heart be stirred towards God as you listen to this life-transforming message. Press subscribe so you're the first to know when the messages are released. Blessed are your ears for the things they hear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says that, Do we begin to commend ourselves, or need we, as others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendations from you? You are our epistle, our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Did you see that? So the minister of the gospel is supposed to be, be, be ministering Christ. And so I minister Christ so much that you become a living evidence of Christ you have received and who is living in you. So one of the most important jobs of a minister is to dispense Christ. You see that word again? I know you forgot it. It means to dispense, to administer. So uh, my job is not so much that of praying for you as it is that of dispensing Christ into you. So in the first place, I have to be saturated with Christ through his word. The more I feed on his word, when I open my mouth, I begin to declare the mysteries of Christ, which guests, once you begin to receive it, I minister, I'm dispensing Christ, and the Christ I, I minister to you becomes the evidence of the manifestation of Christ in your life. So that's why the quality of your, this, people don't know this. It's quite sad. The quality of your Christian life has everything to do with the quality of your teacher. Is it not true in the natural? Sometimes if you just say you attended this uni, it commands some respect because they have top lecturers. Some unis, when you say that's where I attended, no one wants to give you attention. Sometimes they even give you some, some jobs and some companies, the fact that you attended a low-grade university, it, even if you came up with first-class top in a specialist, sometimes some companies, you won't even get the, the one who cleans the office, the least person in the office. They will be in front of your qualification. While someone can finish a top Ivy League university, and it didn't really have anything exceptional, but just and can get a high position in a certain company because of where they attended. Who told you who, is, who teaches you doesn't matter? Mm. The teachings under which you sit, you sit matters immensely. In Christianity, oh, I don't want to go into this, but okay, because I have a lot to do now. Um, Did I tell you why God created us? Yes. Why? Huh? Sorry? To be one with him. Wow. 
When you say this anywhere, no one will understand you. They say, no, what do you mean? They say, God created us to worship him. Oh, that's low. Okay, so some people you hear praise and worship leaders say that when we go on earth, there's no, um, when we go to heaven, it's only worship. So God created us for his purpose and he created us to worship, for him to us to worship. He would have put a keyboard in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> all those things are necessary, but it's all part of, it's like, um, have you seen a decent house that has not got toilet? But they don't build the house because of toilet. So toilet is part of a house, but it's not the main thing. It's not the main thing for a house. But it has to be part of it. So worship, it has to be part of it. But it's not the main thing. Why did God create us? Why did God create us? So, and how was he going to make us one with him? Huh? Huh? Before Christ came in to recover us in Genesis, yeah. how are we going to be one with Him? Huh? So, the tree of life, which is God, He was waiting for us to eat so that God enters and then becomes one. So, when the tree of the knowledge of evil, we ate of the fruit, Satan's nature entered and became one with us. So it became one. That's why God had to be one of us to be able to kill it because the thing was already inside us. So God created us to be one with us. But the way he was going to be one with us is by we, him entering us. And he can't put himself into us. So he puts himself outside us. And he created a garden and put us in the garden. And the garden was full of three categories of trees. One is the tree, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Tree that is spring fruit, that is pleasant to the eye and good for food. And one says that the tree of life was also there. And where was the tree of life? That word in the midst, it was in the center of the garden. So you can't miss it. And the tree of the knowledge of evil, good and evil, was also in the garden. So these three to three types of tree. And then gave God after everything. Then now he said, okay. Before he even told, he said that it was not good for man to be alone. He said, now of every tree, eat. So he commanded him, go eat. Why? Because God has also packaged himself into the garden as a tree of life. So if you go and eat the tree of life, then God can enter you. Then that says just everything. That's why he created us. So he created us to be one with us. He created us to enter us. He created us so it's not just one person, but all of us to be one with him. So that's why we are all one body, the church. We are not different bodies. We are one body. So we are still one person. That's why we are Eve. We are the type of Eve. That's why we are the bride of Christ. It's not the bride. Even though Christ is one, we are many. Okay, so we are the bride of Christ, not the brides of Christ. But are we not many? Yes. The Bible says, even though we are many, we are one body. First Corinthians 12, 12. Even though we are many, we are one body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so is Christ. 
So we are also one body. So it's, that's why you can't say that of me, I'm a different person. I don't mingle from Christians. Which other ones? We are all one. If if your toenail doesn't like your body, it's a problem because you have you don't you can't go and join this other person's body. It's the body, and you can't be on your own. The way the very day you be on your own, you die. You cut your nail and see your toe. No, go forbid. Not the nail, like the toe, the little toe. It will die. But the body will still be going on. Right. So any Christian who isolates himself is asking for death. He's asking to wither away. You won't do well. You never do well as a lone Christian. So the more fellowships you don't attend, the more you are being, you are drying up. Fellowship is a blessing. He said, "What we have seen, what we have handled, what our hands have touched, that we have we said to you, say to you that you have fellowship with us." First John chapter one verse three, that ye might have fellowship with us, because our fellowship is already with the Father and the Son. So you should join us. That's why I said. That which we have seen and heard and declared to, uh, uh, and heard we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. So you should join us as we relate with God. Now, now let me go back to the purpose of creation. So God in Genesis packages himself as the tree of life and stays there and then creates a garden and then he puts tree of life there and he puts man right near the garden tree of life and said eat of all the trees so because you need physical food to survive but you need spiritual food to be like God but if you eat the other spiritual food you'll be like the devil so he said don't eat that one but eat this and man the devil came in God is lying don't mind God how can you say the Bible is the word of God it's not true people wrote it so he came to attack the word of God. It has been his old time style. His always tactics. He's always attacking the word of God. Anyone who begins to attack the word of God, just be smart to know that the devil is the devil is coming through. Because I told you on, on Sunday that the devil is a liar. The only thing that can deal with him is the truth. So when you use the truth against him, you can't, he doesn't have anywhere to hide. So he always has to find a way of attacking the truth. So Satan comes to tell them, no, no, no. And then he said, you can eat this. And see, when you eat this, you'll be like God. Meanwhile, God created us in his image. And the devil said, if you eat, you'll be like God. You'll know everything. So it gives them a false hope, which is already in the program of God for them. What if I don't sleep with him? He will not marry me. So the devil deceives you that try and get it. Meanwhile, God has planned for it already, for you already, and it will get to you at the right time. So he went and ate the wrong food. So from the beginning, you see, when a child is born, the first thing you do is cry. Afterwards, look for food because you are born to eat. But you are not born to eat only physical food. Matthew 4, for man shall not live by bread alone. Oh, okay. But every word that comes from them proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Oh, okay. That one too is food for us. Yeah. So when you come to church and you have been taught, you need to, that's where I'm going. When you become born again, 
you are brought back to where Adam left. So you can start eating. By this time, it is not the tree of life that you are eating. You are eating the word of God. In John chapter 6, verse 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, somewhere there. 28, John 6, 28. They said to him, what shall we do to do the work of God? And he said, the work of God is to believe him. We said, go to 30. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform uh, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? The, our fathers ate uh, our fathers ate manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them the bread from heaven to eat. Huh? Then Jesus said to the most assured, I say unto you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Hmm. Do you know where this conversation started from? Yeah, it started from verse 2. Verse 2 is a very interesting one. A great multitude followed him because they saw the signs, the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Jesus went up to the mountain and there he sat with the disciples. Now Passover a feast of the Jews was here. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy? Let's read what Jesus said. Where shall we do? Who introduced the subject of bread? Jesus. He saw the people and he brought the subject of bread. Follow me very carefully. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And you know when he was asking the question, look at verse 6. He himself knew what he would do. He already knew what to do. So why did you ask the question? <laughs> but this he said to test them. Why? Because he knew what he was going to do. What were you going to do, Jesus? And then they said, even a whole year's wage cannot feed these people. And even if we have the money, <coughs> where are we going to buy the bread from? Which bakery will bake bread for them? Look at the next verse. Ah, okay, it's, oh, no, no, seven. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may eat and may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew said, oh, there's a small, uh, uh, Peter's brother said to him, there's a, a little boy here with five loaves of fish, but what is this to so many people? He says, yeah, I'm trying to get you together. What is this small bread to so many people? He said, let them sit down. And he prayed over the bread, multiplied it, they ate. And then when they finished eating, they were so full, they gathered seven baskets, sorry, 12 baskets remaining. And then after they finished eating, Jesus jumped, sent his disciples away, and he jumped out the boat and left. So when the people realized that, ah, where is he? They crossed, they realized that there was one boat that had left. So they crossed, they also crossed to the other side, verse 24, 25 somewhere. They crossed to the other side of the river looking for him. And then when they, they, they found him, they wanted to make him a king. It's a political. Politicians. They want to make him a Because if your king can multiply bread, there will never be famine in the land. They, they wanted to make him a king. 
So when they found him, they wanted to make him a king, but Jesus uh, didn't mind them. So then um, the conversations continued, and then Jesus was the one who they brought, watch this, they brought, they said, verse 31, verse 31, our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He, God, gave them bread from heaven to eat. They brought this old-time bread, the manna the people ate. They introduced it. And then Jesus said, no, 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 what the guys ate is not the bread from heaven. What they ate, the manna, is not the bread that God gives. So Jesus said to the most assured, said, Moses did not give them, give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Now watch this. Who intro- you remember where the thing started? From bread in chapter 2, they were hungry. <laughs> but remember, he himself knows what he will do. Look at the next verse. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Huh? So the bread of God is a he. It's not an it. Huh? The bread of God? So what they ate is not the bread of God. He said, no, it's not the bread. Because the bread of God is a person. Look at the next verse. Then he said to them, so then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread also. Uh, always. And Jesus said to them, I, what's, where is this thing going now? I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never test. Ah, what's that? But I say unto you, but, but I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have, for I have, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. It's going somewhere. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That all he has given to me should be, uh, I should lose nothing, but should ri- to raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Now this thing is getting into everlasting life. And I will raise him on the last day. And the Jews complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And he went further and said, and they said, is it not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down? <laughs> this is, I like these stories. Very nice. How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? In the next verse. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not remember among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. This is a point that you can't just get up and say you are born again. You are born again by chosen you. God is the one who drew you. But the way you were bad, you knew you were not going to do this church thing. How come now you are so deep into it? God, God drew you. It's God. God pulled you. So all those who do, all those who make that noise, as for me, as for me, all that, don't worry. When the time comes, God will just pull them. Away. Forty-five. It's written in the prophets. You see the prophets. 
and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Hmm, this is an interesting point. Not that, not, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Look at where he's going. Let's read it together. One more time. So why did you give them the bread, a small boy's bread? That's a natural bread. But man is not supposed to eat by, live by bread alone. Look at the next verse. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat it and not die. Are you noticing the eating here? Eating and salvation. Eating and eternal life. You can't have eternal life without eating. What was the means through which God, uh, God was going to put himself into us? In Genesis. You remember? Now Jesus said, I'm now come as the bread from heaven. And how do you eat him? By believing in him. If you believe him, you start feeding on him. Well, let me show you something. So we get 54. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. Oh. You know there's a slight difference between the living bread and the bread of life. Bread of life. Living bread. Living bread is bread that is alive. Bread of life is the bread that brings life. So he's a bread that is alive and he gives life. He said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That was what was supposed to happen in Adam's time. He will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. What? And the Jews therefore called amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to me, more assuredly, I say to you, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This thing gets quite interesting. Look at the next verse. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's read it together. One more time. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, he said that if you want eternal life, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. So, how did God program to get it, Zoe into us through eating? You have to eat. But in Christ, eating means believing. I'm going somewhere. That's why I came all this round, 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 round. What I'm trying to say to you is where I left off that we are serving you with Christ. The job of a pastor is not just teaching. It's feeding. Because some people will teach you, but they are not feeding you. The teaching we do is supposed to be for the purposes of feeding. 
And we are supposed to be teaching, feeding you with Christ so that the sheep will be eating Christ, the bread of life. And the more you are eating him, the more you are becoming like him. I think there's a statement that says that you are what you eat. Yeah, so you have to eat Christ. So the job of a pastor is to feed. What is the job of a shepherd? Is it, it's not to eat the sheep. Pastors are not meant to be eating the sheep. Even though sometimes it, it does happen, by the time I realize a shepherd is eating the sheep. Brother shepherd, why are you eating this sister sheep? Oh, Sister Shepherd, why are you eating this brother sheep? You are supposed to feed them, but if you don't take care, you'll be sleeping with them instead of feeding them. So, first, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. No, verse 3. I think I got to verse 3. Clearly, you are a piece, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is on your heart, on the heart. Four. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. Who has made us, who have made us sufficient as ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So, you see the way I'm able, I'm ministering. It's God who made me able to be able to be feeding you. So you can't claim the credit. He said, "God, who is He who makes? We are not sufficient in ourselves, but our sufficiency. He makes us sufficient to be able to to become able ministers of the New Testament." But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Do you understand what this means? Now, when Moses went to spend 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God, and God gave him the Ten Commandments, the tablets, he spent time with God so much. When he brought that, that ministry written on stones, the glory of God was so much on him, people couldn't look at his face. Okay. So Moses had to. They begged Moses that, please, can you cover your face? Because we can't look at your face. It's, he, Moses, no, 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 no. no. So they actually begged him. So Moses had to wear veil like a, a bride. Is it Exodus? He had to wear veil for a long time to cover his face. So they were talking to Moses, but they couldn't see his face properly. Oh, that's it. Then he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Go on. Look for when he says, the people said, we can't look at your face. You shouldn't have brought this. He said, they couldn't look at your face, so they the glory of God so much was on him. The people could not look at his face. And so he, they asked him to cover his face. So Moses now was dealing with them. 
end. He had to wear a veil. Whenever the children of Israel saw, saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. It was shining. Then Moses would put a veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, until he left them. So anytime he's going to speak to God, then he remove it. And when he comes to the people, he has to do this. And he was doing it for a long time. Wow. Don't forget what I'm saying. It's going somewhere. So now let's go to back to Second Corinthians chapter 3. So that ministry that, you know, the commandment, when the commandment came, what happened? When the law came, what happened? The law was meant to bring what? But when it came, what happened? It says that, but if the ministry of death written on stones was glorious, that one even came with glory, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was? It was even passing away. It wasn't a stable glory. The next verse. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So what we do now as ministers of the New Testament, God made us able ministers of the New Testament. What we are doing now is more powerful and glorious than what the old one was. Because they couldn't even look at the face of Moses because the thing was so glorious. And that is even a ministry of death that was passing away. It wasn't bringing life. How much more? The spirit. Ministry of the spirit. Oh. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, then the ministry of righteousness exists, uh, ex exists much more in glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? The thing that is condemning you even came with a niceness. Then the thing that is about to lift you, it is more nice. Uh, it is, I like what he said. It is, no, go back please. It is righteousness, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now look at this. Ten. Ten. Oh, for even, <laughs> it's in the veil, it's the veil. What is what this is more for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because because of the glory that excels. So in other words, the proper glory makes their previous glory know nothing. For if what is passing away, okay, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. If when after you eat, what comes out looks so good. Then the one that stays in your stomach is better. <laughs> I don't you understand that? If after eating you throw some away, the leftover you throw out, that means the better part. For instance, you come and people have eaten, they've thrown a lot of food away and look so nice. That means that the one they ate is far better. Because yeah. the one that stays is better than the one that is thrown away. That's what it means. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Go on, let me show you something. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing. So, watch this. A veil was on his face, but when even the thing was fading, the report didn't know. Because they still couldn't see his face properly. 
So now, sometimes Moses was talking to them. They still think the glory was there. But the thing is going away. But they didn't know. Because of the veil. But their minds, listen, the people. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the veil remains unlifted. Did you see that? The veil remains unlifted. The veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away. If you don't come to Christ, the veil is still there. <laughs> because the thing is a mystery. So it's not just Moses covered his face. It carries more weight. The real meaning is that the Old Testament they were reading, they couldn't see it properly because it, it was veiled. It is veiled. It is veiled. The mystery behind it was veiled because the veil is only taken when you come to Christ. If you are not in Christ, I can't teach you these things I'm teaching. Ah... Uh, Look at the next verse. Oh, this is serious. But even to this day, when Moses is read, you know Moses, the Old Testament, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. So they still can't get it. Their hearts is veiled. Look at where this thing is going. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. human being, even the Jews who had the law of God, they had veil. How much more the Gentiles didn't have anything? Yours is even bad. So every human being is working in life like this. So long as the law of God is concerned. So, don't last the, so long as the plan of God is concerned. So don't, long as the intentions of God is concerned. They always, there are musicians who are called themselves Christian musicians making songs with veiled faces. There are people who are preaching. They are pastors preaching. But with veiled faces. Because, watch this. Watch this. Verse 16. Verse 16. When one turns to the Lord. Sometimes you can be in the Lord, but you haven't turned. To turn means that move your focus out away from something onto God. As soon as you move your focus away from the crowd onto Christ... The veil is taken away. Wow. Watch this. Watch the effect. Now, so when the veil is taken away, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Listen, it's going somewhere. This where they inserted this one is a very interesting statement. But if you, you can connect verse 16. So verse, verse 18 is going to blow your mind. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. Nevertheless, stand here. You are Christ. When, watch this, when they turn to Christ, watch this, what happens? What happens? When they turn to Christ, the veil is taken away. Watch this. It's very important. 
Now, verse 18. So now we all, with what? Beholding us in a mirror. We all with unveiled faces, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into what? The same image, that image of Christ. Now, as you are looking at Christ, you are changing into Christ. Uh -oh. Somebody shout hallelujah. Turn to the Lord. There are people who are in Christ, but they won't turn to the Lord. And so, as long as you don't turn to the Lord, the veil covers you. You don't understand the things of God. And because you can't see Christ for who he is, you are not being transformed from glory So, see, when, when you are reading it from, from verse 1, you don't know where it's going. Yeah. And then most of us, we just take this glory, oh, from glory to glory. It is true. It is true. But the real context, the real meaning, most people, I'm telling you, many people don't know this. Even verse 16, they don't know that when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken. Whenever will you hear people quoting this? What are you going to quote this one for? But it makes sense. Then you get to verse 18. He said, now we, those whose faces have been unveiled. That's why I'm teaching the mystery. Because it cannot be taught to people who are veiled. Yeah. The veil is taken away. Then you begin to see Christ for who he is. And you can't see it all at once. We all, with unveiled faces, unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same. So the image you are seeing is what you'll be transformed into. Wow. Wow. We are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. So the more you keep looking at Christ, the more you keep seeing Christ in the scriptures, the more you keep being taught about Christ, the more you're understanding Christ. You, the, does, it, does it make sense when Paul said, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ? Yes. He said, everything that I've done in my life, I count them as done for the excellency so I can know him. Because the more I'm knowing, because now my face is unveiled. I got to see more of him. And the more I'm seeing, I'm changing into the same image. I'm changing into the same image. I'm changing into the same image. And somebody is changing into the same image. Son, hallelujah. So it's dangerous to have a pastor who is not teaching you Christ. What are you going to change into? You, you are being changed into a breakthrough seeker. If you just have a pastor teaching about breakthroughs. Never forget this. Now, 
It didn't say we have been transformed. It's a process. Present continuous tense. We are being. We are being. After this camp, you won't be the same. Now watch this. If we meet next week and I teach again, it's higher. Anytime we come together as believers, that's why it's good to talk about the Bible. Because we, are, we all with unveiled faces can see Christ more. And the more of Christ you see, the more you, be, you, you are turning into that image. So the truth is, pornography is not your problem. Because you are not, trans, you are not with an unveiled face beholding into the image. So you are living as a normal human being struggling. But if you begin to see the image with an unveiled face, you just begin to change and look more like him. That's why God made us in our image. But the image of God has been shattered by the serpent's nature. But as we look at Christ more and more, we are being changed into the image of Christ. We are being changed into that image. We are being changed into that image. Somebody is changing from glory to glory. Somebody shout glory. Please be seated. It is Matthew what? Uh, you know, that's the one because I quoted yesterday John 13, 17. That's the one I was going to say and I misfired. So I, because John 13, 17 says that blessed are you if you do that, for the things you know, if you do them. So I just did it. But the original thing I was looking for is this one. I stayed there because that's also good. So I stayed there. But this is the one, 13, 17. It says that, I, shall, I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did, not, uh, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Blessed are you for the things you hear. Why did I say that? Don't take it for granted. Bishops don't have a clue about what I'm talking about. Yes, please. Big, 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 big international pre preachers don't have a clue about what I'm talking about. They will quote this same, the other one, First uh, Corinthians chapter three, and then use it to, which is not wrong, but the actual. Con I, that's why I started from verse one to show you the context, because it was going somewhere. They covered Moses covered his face, and so now, even now, the Old Testament when it's read, veil is covering their face. That's why Jesus said, "You read it every day." Paul said, "You are reading it every Sabbath, but you can't see it." Your fathers and the, your leaders, they fulfill it. In Acts chapter 13, verse 27, it says that your, the leaders of Jerusalem and you people and the deliverers, they read this thing, for those who dread Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not know him nor the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled them in condemning Jesus. Because they don't know him. They read it every day, but they don't know him. Why? They had veiled faces. That's why I left the veil on my face. Because it cannot be taken away otherwise, apart from when you turn to the Lord. And turning to the Lord, you have to take the responsibility. No one can turn you to God. You have to turn to the Lord. And then when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. And now you with an unveiled face, you begin to discover Christ. And the more you are discovering, the more you are changing into the image. 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 Yeah. And 
struggling and say, I'm struggling with this behavior issue. I'm struggling with this. No, because you have seen so much about the image of Christ that you are busily changing. Your flesh can't be a bother. That's why he inserted, he said that the Lord is the spirit. Verse 17. The Lord, Jesus. Think about it. When you, hear, when you read the New Testament, you come across the Lord. It means Jesus. Jesus is Lord. The Lord is the spirit. Now he's a spirit? That's also a different topic which I don't want to go into. Now he's a spirit because it says that to the church of Ephesus, right? This is what he who sits on the throne, he who is like this, this is what he's saying. When he finished, he said, this is what he is. Let them hear what the Lord is saying. No, what the spirit. But he started talking. You are the Lord. But when he finished, he's the spirit. And now he's telling us the Lord is the spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We read it earlier on in the afternoon, but I didn't want to distract you, so I didn't go into it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, it says that the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. I know you didn't notice it. Or a quickening spirit. That's it. Now, good. Who put the life good? The life-giving spirit. So Adam, the natural Adam, the first man, Adam became a living being when God breathed into him. How about the last Adam? The last Adam, when he died, he became a life-giving spirit. So when he died, he became a spirit and entered us. Entered us. He's the spirit. When you read the Bible and comes across the word, the spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit. It means that Christ was entered you and joined with your spirit to become one. No, no, but that one is too deep for your understanding. So it says that the Lord is the spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit. So you can't separate the Spirit from the Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. When he was alive, he wasn't the Spirit. But when he died, he became a life-giving Spirit. When he enters, he gives you life. He gives you life. When he enters, he gives you life. When he enters, he gives you life. That's how we can eat him. He became the life-giving Spirit. And he said, the Lord, is, everybody say, the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Who is the Spirit? The Lord. Who is the Spirit? So we say the Spirit is here, we mean the Lord is here. The Lord, He is the Spirit. Then He says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, you are now free to stop fornicating. Tell someone I'm free. I'm free. And then something happened to you, and then from that time, nowadays you have been uh, lasting, and you can't get over it. Listen, after this camp, because you have turned to the Lord and you've seen so much of the Lord, oh no, you can't go back there. Say, no, no, God has come. We all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in a mirror, have been changed, have been changed. I've been transformed. I've been transformed. I've been transformed into the same image. The same image we are looking at, we are becoming the same. I've been transformed to the same image from glory to glory. So by next week, if you see more of Christ, you'll be better. See more of Christ, better. See more of Christ, glory. From glory to glory. So as long as you're veiled, you don't even know about Christ, the mystery of Christ. So Satan tends to steal a lot from people. 
But the good news is that anytime somebody is anointed, that anointing can, is transferable. Yes. Wow. I receive it. How do you catch an anointing? Elijah, ask Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha said, a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you can focus and see me go, it shall be. Follow you can't catch the anointing of a person you are not following. And when Elijah left, Elisha was doing more than Elijah did. Because Jesus told us, John 14, 12, that the things I do, if you believe greater, even if we watch this, even if we can do more than Jesus did, apart from dying to save us by his works, the miracles, the anointing. If we can do more than he did, then there's no human beings whose anointing cannot come upon somebody more than. Because if Jesus' anointing can, you can get it more, then a hum, an ordinary human being who Jesus died to save, his anointing, you can catch it more. An anointing is meant to grow from generation to generation, just that people are not willing to pay the price to catch it. Catching anointing can be very costly. It's hard following. Hard following for a long time. A long time consistently. In the, in the person's presence and the person's absence, you are committed. You honor. You appreciate. Excuse me. You appreciate. You admire. <laughs> you can't catch anointing from the person you don't admire. never happen that you are catching somebody you don't admire his anointing. No. The anointing will never come on you. You have to see the person. Wow. The people complain that why is he God? Yes. Why is he God? What are, why are you treating him like God? That's what the language of all believers. Yes. Whose faces are veiled. Because no one is God apart from our Lord. But he has left human beings and he has put his, he's the anoint, anointed one. He has put his anointing on some people. He said they continued in the apostles' doctrine. There's, there's somebody whose doctrines, whose teachings you must be continuing for you to see his anointing. You can never catch anointing from a person you don't admire. You have to admire the person so much that you, are, you don't care what you do for the person. Yeah. You don't care if you have to lie down for the person to walk on you. Unbelievers say, oh, this is, is, is you see, all this. Unbelievers are veiled. And say, believers, they are veiled because they have not turned to the Lord. So yeah. don't, don't, don't bother to defend yourself to people who are veiled. Yeah. It's not worth it. They can't get it. Yeah. You admire. You follow. You listen to the person regularly and you watch out against any negative thing anyone will bring around. Hey! Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't want to know anything negative about this person. I've, I've taken it higher. Just to, I thought I should just do you a favor by showing you how to get it. Because you don't get it because you want it. You get it because you go for it. You have to be baptized into a person. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they were baptized into Moses, verse 1 and 2. They were baptized into Moses. When you see them, you know it's like you have seen Moses. You don't see any difference. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud. They were baptized into Moses. They were deep into their baptized to be baptized meant to be immersed into something, covered in, and they were covered in Moses. And so you can't do God's work without anointing. And the anointing is not in heaven. Bishop Doug wrote a book. He said, the anointing you want to use for God's work, it is somebody's in somebody's back pocket. Yes. It's somebody. You have to get to the person. You have to follow the person. You have to serve the person. You have to honor the person. You have to admire this person. You have to respect the person. And you have to listen to the person more and more. And the message, because he, he said, when he spoke to me, Bible says that John the Baptist was going to go grow in the spirit of Elijah. Luke chapter 1 verse 17. So you can operate in the spirit of somebody. When I say spirit, not the, his human spirit, but in the anointing of that person. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So John the Baptist was operating in the anointing of Elijah. You can catch a spirit. And one of the easiest ways to do it, Jesus said in John chapter 3, chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. When a person is speaking, his words are spirit. The more you listen to a person with an open heart and with an unveiled face and with a circumcised heart, so that when crucified speak, we can receive. Yes. See, when you hear negative things about a pastor, when he's speaking, you are thinking, ah, so is this thing... Uh, so you are struggling. You are struggling. So it takes sometimes you have said something powerful that could have changed your life, but you didn't get it because sometimes you are not even blocked, but you are now struggling with what you heard from somewhere and then what you had just said, and you are battling. You, you miss moments to catch. He said, If you see me go, if you can focus on me and see me go, you shall cut the anointing. The anointing, the anointed person you serve is, is the one whose anointing you catch. Mm. Elisha served Elijah. He was pouring water on his hands, cleaning him, saved him. So when Elijah went, he got the anointing. It's an anointing. And every anointing is apps for grabs. But if you can pay the price. If you can pay the price. Satan will fight you with all kinds of ideas. All kinds of suggestions. All these people, it's all, always, it's just money. They are looking for your money. Why are you going to give your seed to him? Why? You, even you, how much have you got? Why are you going to give it to him? Why are you going to give it to him? He's just a man. Don't, don't, don't treat him. See, all these people, they are deceivers. Meanwhile, you have come into contact with an anointing. And the person who has not seen the anointing is telling you how to relate to. Because 
When Jesus spoke, it is the people who bore witness. They were there. Someone who wasn't there can't understand. God bless you for listening to this message. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and visit www.caris.org for videos and upcoming events. Remember, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer.